the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we focus on God's Word this day, we look at the fourth chapter in the book of Acts that Luke writes, beginning at verse 32. He says that all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions, that they were their own. But they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. And from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they sold them. And they brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Dear friends in Christ, back in 2001, sociologist Robert Putnam wrote an influential thesis about the decline of community engagement. It was a book called Bowling Alone, The Collapse and Revival of American Community. And it describes the culture's retreat from traditional in-person social networks like civic groups and service clubs and even churches. And the move of people toward the more isolating kinds of entertainment and interaction made possible by technology. And almost right on cue, just three years later, Mark Zuckerberg, he created Facebook as a college sophomore at Harvard. And it was originally designed as a platform for college students to check out one another to see if they might be attracted to them. And Facebook is now a worldwide network of over 2 billion users. And they interact with many, quote, friends, some of whom they've never even seen before. What was originally a chance to connect and reconnect with old and new friends has really transformed into a a global phenomenon which is designed to shrink the distance between people and give them an opportunity to interact and share themselves with one another. And now in its second decade, Facebook is engaged in a new mission. Zuckerberg noted in a June 2017 speech, he says, it's striking that for decades, membership in all kinds of groups has declined by as much as one quarter. That's a lot of people who now need to find a a sense of purpose and support somewhere else. For Zuckerberg, that somewhere else is Facebook. And he sees it as a post-modern, post-traditional form of church. He says people who go to church are more likely to volunteer and give to charity, not just because they're religious, but because they're part of a community. His vision of Facebook as a kind of church doesn't rule out God, but it does lift up a kind of community for community's sake instead of Jesus' sake. In the Facebook church, who or what is being worshipped? What is the community's purpose there? And what about all those people who have yet to log in? And what about all those dog and cat videos? What do they have to do with that anyway? 
Well, comparing a virtual church, which has billions of isolated individuals tapping on their keyboards and phones for the real thing, it's going to cause most church people to perhaps smile and perhaps even laugh. But we have to ask the question, what is the church missing that would allow Zuckerberg and millions of others to want to substitute scrolling through perhaps political rants or vacation selfies? Why would they do that rather than having real interaction with a living, breathing, worshiping community of people together? How has the church allowed the bowling alone theory to become a reality? Well, for the answer, we need to reach back to the church's roots. And there's no better place to do that than the book of Acts. Almost nobody evangelizes or worships or bowls alone in this book. And all the interaction is face-to-face. This is what the church does. And while Facebook's innovation has had an amazing impact on the world by bringing the faces of family and friends in a way that comes right to your screens, the church allows us to experience faces. The faces and lives of a people who are in a community of faith. It's a place where we can act and serve and also work together for the glory of God, not for ourselves. From the very beginning of this book, we learn that God by the Spirit created this community called church. And it was not for the purpose of merely checking out one another. Instead, it was for the purpose of introducing people to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To tell others what His life, death, and resurrection really means not only for us, but for them, too. And the very basis of that community was that God had come in person. He came in person as Jesus. And he didn't settle on just sending us a a type of photo, an image. He didn't do it just laying out his layout for mankind's plan. Jesus would form a real community of believers named as disciples. And they would be complete with their own quirks and flaws too. But he would also train them on how to interact with others in order to bring that good news to people all around the world. The Spirit is the one who empowered them for this work. And as a result, the community platform, it grew by leaps and bounds. Luke writes in Acts 2, Those who accepted his message, Peter's message, were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Immediately, this community began connecting in person. They did it around tables in their homes. Perhaps they might be at a temple. They would share their goods with their neighbors. And Luke goes on to say in the next verses that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship There's that community. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A picture of what was a a great community, an excited community, a vibrant one. 
In our text in Acts 4, we get a more detailed window into how the community functioned. And it was a lot more about selfless service than it was about selfies. What we see in someone's Facebook profile is usually precisely what they want us to see and no more. We know that those vacation photos, the pics of new cars and the beautiful selfies are all designed perhaps in a way to show other people that they're doing really great. Things are well with them. For some people, the goal is to attract more friends and to receive more likes, as Facebook has those. And that could make even the most mature adult begin acting like an insecure and self-obsessed seventh grader, perhaps. There's even evidence that using Facebook can cause depression when people may see the lives of their friends present online and they see that those lives are much better than their own life. The church, on the other hand, was designed to be a community where people focus on others more than themselves. It was created to have a group centered on the belief that God had saved them. And he did it because they were all in the same situation. There was no difference. They were all sinners in need of God's grace. And they had no need to impress others because they were all outside of their culture. Instead, they were of one heart and mind, Luke says. They were completely focused on what God had done in their lives through Jesus. All the believers were in one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They modeled their lives after Jesus. They did it by volunteering and by sacrificially caring for others to the point of seeing their own possessions becoming available to everyone else who had need in the communities. Instead of being driven by an external force, they had an internal resource of compassion. And that was made possible by the Holy Spirit's presence in their lives. And coupled with a deep sense of community was a central focus that drove the church's actions and its mission. The church was centered on that account of Jesus Christ. The apostles' testimony that Jesus had risen from the dead. And for them, the community message was very simple, even as it is today. Christ is risen. This message that was given of the apostles, it enabled them to receive God's grace in all of its fullness. It also moved them to share that good news with the whole world. It became the motivating force. It became the ultimate uniting factor, too, in the church's life and work. You could see that it was what made them a church in the first place. Facebook, on the other hand, has no overarching focus other than its collective stories of users and perhaps uh, authoritative testimony that comes from people's opinions and their worldviews. Zuckerberg's vision of community doesn't include a central focus other than the human desire for self-elevation, which ultimately leads us back to what the Bible calls sin. There's a lot of pride, perhaps, in people. Instead of a central narrative, the social media platform presents a whole collection of 
things like personal stories and videos and thoughts. They're designed to draw like-minded people to one's particular page. After all, no one has ever likely said, your recent Facebook post, it really caused me to change and turn completely with regard to that issue. Granted, many Facebook users enjoy seeing family photos, and especially when you're not connected to be right there in the same area because we're such a mobile society. And if you've got friends who give angry posts, offensive ideas, well, they can also easily be unfriended, too. In addition, our church and school, we utilize Facebook in a way that we are able to pass on information to them and to engage people who are outside of our family of faith. We do that so that they may ultimately be connected to us face-to-face, in person. It was the need for a community that led the early church to be generous with each other. And as God had been generous to his people with his grace in Christ, so they too would be generous with one another, believing that their lives were part of something much bigger than themselves. And Luke says that there was no needy persons among them. And that members of the church community, they sold their property and gave proceeds to the apostles to distribute to the needy. That's a lot different from the sense of, quote, charity envisioned by Zuckerberg, which usually involves a a couple clicks to make a donation or perhaps to share a supportive thumbs up or a like on someone's timeline. The early church's social platform was driven by generosity, out of a sense of gratitude to God. And people gave so that others would have enough. We saw that earlier in Acts 2, as they shared the possessions. In the very next chapter, Acts 5, following our text, a couple named Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some land, and they gave it to the apostles for distribution, but they kept part for themselves instead of giving it all. And we know that God took the lives of that husband and wife that very day. A similar thing happened as far as the distribution goes, in a good sense, in Acts 11. And there was going to be a famine. Prophets from God came and told them that throughout the whole Roman world, during the time of the reign of Claudius, it happened. And it says the disciples, each according to their ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. So let's help them out. And this they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. It's interesting that in Acts 4 we we have that name. Luke mentions one name as an example of someone who helped the early church. He was a Levite from the island of Cyprus, a Levite being from the priestly tribe, And his name was Joseph, but he had the nickname of Barnabas. And he got that from the apostles because he was constantly encouraging others in the community. And that name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field and he gave the proceeds to the apostles. He didn't need the real estate either. And as people gave during that time, it wasn't like a, a form of socialism They didn't live in communes and just have things together, but 
people had portions which they could give. So Barnabas sells a field of his. He still had other property. So did others. But he gave his away because he was going to go on a journey with another man who underwent a name change too. And as we saw in Acts 11, that was one who was Saul, and he became Paul. The church had viewed Barnabas' gift of that property to really build up other people. And that was something that's in short supply of social networks today, where there's more focus on cyberbullying than there is of cyber-encouraging. And while Facebook has launched a revolution in the way that people relate to one another in the age of technology today, it can never replace the church and real-life impact. This assumes, of course, that the church gets back to its primary purpose, the keeping the main thing the main thing, and that is Jesus Christ. And for us to use that, quote, business model as we move forward. And perhaps if we took seriously the way of community as it was in the early church, we wouldn't be competing with a virtual substitute. We can once again be people of the book who share with each other face to face. How might our churches reflect that type of community? What are we going to do to promote it? How are we helping people from bowling alone or posting alone toward a real encounter with others of being of that family of God? Well, when the early Christians gave, they set their gifts down at the feet of the apostles. And they gave their gifts to the church as a community of believers because as they gave that, those apostles would distribute the gifts where appropriate. The combined gifts of the early Christians were able to do much more than for each of them to give just individually to something. We combine our gifts as members of a Trinity family so that we can accomplish our mission, which is to make salvation in Christ known, building personal relationships with him and one another. Two important things in our mission statement. Jesus Christ and community with God and each other. You see, as we preach Christ crucified and risen, we are creating and building community. Together we're able to impact the people of the surrounding communities in a more significant way as one people than we can separately. And not only do our gifts touch lives locally, but they even go around the world, places you and I have never been. And one day, that community, known as God's family, we will stand around the heavenly throne. And we will do that with unending joy because the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is alive. For Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.